we want to continue talking about where we are going. You've already heard today is Vision Sunday, and you have probably already heard, if you were listening and if you saw the balloons, if you've been paying attention, you know that the, the word, the title that we have given our vision and our focus for 2023 is connected to this word assemble. And then even further than that, we're saying that assemble is about building together what we cannot build alone. That's the focus that is for, that is for the year 2023. We're really excited. Not just because we have a cool, uh, a cool statement and a, and a cool tagline and because some people wore some matching t-shirts to church today. We're excited because we believe this is an invitation God has given us more than something that we are trying to force that we're going to be building something. But, but let's, let's kind of slow down a little bit and talk about vision. You know that vision is important, right? In fact, in, in Proverbs 29, 18, Solomon writes, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And in Habakkuk 2, 2, there's this simple but powerful leadership principle that says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he, who, so that he, he may run who reads it. So we understand that making vision plain is very important, and having vision is vitally important to our lives. And Scripture tells us it's not just a good idea that we come up with a vision. I mean, you can go get a degree in how to help companies come up with fancy words that sound like vision statements. We're not talking about that. We're talking about vision we believe God has given to us. And by the way, if you got a degree in that, awesome. We're really excited. Go make lots of money and uh, then sell all you have and give it to the poor. Um, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help myself. Once a year, we gather on this day called Vision Sunday because we know vision matters. And can I just tell you, that by the end of our service today, I think that we're about to give you the most clear presentation of a yearly vision that we have ever been able to give you. Because I don't know that we have been this clear in January, what we believe it means and where we believe we are going as a result of the vision that God has given us for this year. So today we are going to talk about where we are going, but because we know that there are a lot of people who are new to our church family, we need to also talk about who we are as a church family before we talk about where we are going together. So the first thing that you need to know about who we are is, and I've mentioned this already before, is that we are a four-square church. Just look at your neighbor real quick and tell them you're in a four-square church. Now, young people, that is not just an application. Uh, actually, young, young people don't even know about Foursquare as the app anymore. It's like the 30-year-olds like who pretend that we're still young that know what Foursquare is as an app. It's not an app. And, and seasoned people, this isn't a game that you played on the playground when you were in school. Remember Foursquare? It's not that. Foursquare is a denomination of churches, a family, a movement that was founded in the United States of America with a strong heart for the nations. 
In fact, our movement was founded by a woman named Amy Semple McPherson, who was, before she was a church planter and a movement starter, she was a missionary around the world. Today, there are nearly 2,000 Foursquare churches in America, which I know doesn't sound like a whole lot. There's nearly 2,000 Foursquare churches in America, but listen to this. Globally, there are 8.8 .8 million members of Foursquare churches in over 67,000 churches across more than 150 nations. We are a church that started in America, but has exploded around the world. It's funny, if you go anywhere in the United States and you go, we're a part of a four-square church, the odds are that someone will go, what's a four-square church? But if you go anywhere else in the world and you say, we're a part of a four-square church, they go, oh, I know a four-square pastor uh, down the street. And in some places in the world, four-square churches are like Starbucks. They're just all over the place. And they are a lot cheaper as well. As of this year, Foursquare as a denomination is 100 years old. This is our 100-year anniversary as a denomination. That's exciting. By the way, there's a, some smatterings of celebration today. You're welcome to celebrate if you hear anything that's exciting. I know that I'm a white guy and it probably is misleading, but we can get rowdy and excited. All right, if you want to get excited at church. So I need some of my, my, my people who don't look like me today to kind of set the tone, all right? Thank you. A <laughs> hundred years ago, on January 1st, 1923, Angelus Temple, our founding church, opened its doors for its very first church service in Echo Park in Los Angeles. Life Bible College held its very first classes for training ministers to be sent around the world for the Foursquare Gospel to be preached interdenominationally and internationally in the very same year, 1923. By 1927, Angelus Temple had officially incorporated as a denomination because so many church planters were, be set, were being sent out that we had to incorporate as a denomination. And in 1928, somebody named Ellsworth Johnson came out to the Antelope Valley and planted a little church called Lancaster Foursquare Church. Not in the same building, but that's the church you're sitting in right now. In 1928, this church was founded as a four-score church, as part of a denomination that this year turns 100. Lancaster Four-Square Church has been known as Living Way Four-Square Church. Raise your hand if you went to Living Way Four-Square Church. All right, awesome. Now, since 2015, Lancaster Four-Square Church has been known as Life Church. And if you just found that out, Welcome to Lancaster Foursquare Church. <laughs> Welcome to Life Church. We are so glad that you're here. But for 94 years, we have been committed to preaching the Foursquare Gospel in the Antelope Valley. And the Foursquare Gospel is rooted in four claims of who we say Jesus is. If you just took a 10-week class with us uh, just recently last year called Foursquare Path, you could probably tell me what the Foursquare Gospel is. And if you want to know more about that, we'll be running Foursquare Path again in the spring, and you can join us in that. But you would find out in, in Foursquare Path that we say in the Foursquare Gospel that Jesus is our Savior, our baptizer with the Holy Spirit, our healer, and our soon-coming king. So there's a lot to that. We can unpack it. There's a 10-week class that you can sign up called Foursquare Path. You can find out all about what that means and how to live as a part of the Foursquare church, really a follower of Jesus in the way of Jesus with a bunch of people that hang out at a Foursquare church. But we are one of those. We are Foursquare, and we are so proud of that, and we are so excited about that. More than anything, we're proud to call ourselves 
family members of the global church of Jesus Christ around the world. That's who we are. A little bit more specifically, we are Life Church, and we take our name from the following scriptures. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus tells us why he came. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Other translations say life to the fullest, and one of my favorite translations says life overflowing. That's a good translation. It implies you've got so much life that it spills out onto the lives around you. That's why Jesus came. We want to follow in Jesus' footsteps, receiving and giving away the life that he has given to us. Our name, Life Church, and the vision for this church ultimately also comes from a place in the Old Testament, a couple of places actually. One of them is Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 12. I will not take time to unpack all of these today because then we would never get to our vision for 2023 or you would have to skip lunch. And I know you don't want to do either of those things. So Ezekiel 37, 1 through 12 is a story that we would refer to as the Valley of Dry Bones. Specifically in verses 4 through 6, uh, Ezekiel is told by an angel to prophesy to a bunch of bones that were just laying in a valley. And it is clear that these bones used to be made up of people who made up an army, but they died. And he is told Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones the word of the Lord. And in verse 5 it says, This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. We want to be a part of a move of God in the Antelope Valley that calls what is dead to life. Amen? So we call ourselves Life Church for that reason. We also call ourselves Life Church because in Ezekiel 47, verses 1 through 14, there's a passage that if, uh, if you were to give this passage a title, you might call it the River of Life. And in the River of Life story in Ezekiel 47, uh, an angel takes Ezekiel in a, in a vision to the temple, and there's water flowing out to the east, and there's this angel who shows him this temple and this vision, and he measures the water that's flowing out from the temple towards the east four different times, and each time the water grows deeper and wider. And the fourth time, in verse 5, he says, it is deep enough to swim in a river that could not be crossed on foot. And then Ezekiel looks back in verse 7, and he saw a very large number of trees along both sides of the riverbank. And then the angel told Ezekiel that the river, that the water of the river would make the water of the sea fresh instead of salty, and that everything in the river will live wherever the river flows. And in verse 9 it says, and there will be a huge number of fish because this water goes there. Since the water will become fresh, there will be life everywhere the river goes. And then he goes on to explain to Ezekiel that fishermen will catch many different kinds of fish in the river, and all kinds of trees would grow along the banks of the river and that those trees would be evergreen and that there would be fruit in every single season and that the leaves would be used for medicine. And in other words, this river would go have more influence and impact on the territory around it as it goes and life would grow up in and around the river. And then there's a warning that says that in the marshland away from the river, nothing can grow there. And we believe that this verse is actually about the work of God through the church in the world. And that out of your life, because the temple isn't a building, it's a person. It's a group of people. The temple is the people of the way of Jesus. And out of your life should flow the river of life. 
And your life should grow and expand, and the impact of the church should grow and expand and bring life wherever it flows. And there should be all kinds of fish and all kinds of fruit in every single season and wisdom for things like medicine. I mean, we really, really see a lot in here, and if I dug into it, we would have to take the next several weeks, so we're not going to do that today. But this is where we get our vision for why we call ourselves Life Church. Ultimately, we can say that we are a four-square church who is committed to speaking, experiencing, and sharing the life of the kingdom of heaven on earth. This is who we are. And we hold these four core values. And you probably saw them on your way in. If you didn't, you'll see them on your way out. We say around here because we want everybody to know this, that we are people of the word. That is, that's what guides us, that's what sets the tone for us, that's what tells us what is true and what is not true. We are people of the word. We all belong, meaning we all belong here in the church, everyone is welcome, and we believe that all of mankind belongs in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We all belong. Our third core value is that we are committed to growth individually and corporately. We are not ashamed to say we want this church to grow significantly. And we want that growth to come from people growing significantly. Amen? And fourthly, we are living on purpose. We believe that God has a purpose for his church and he has a purpose for your life. And in fact, he's so committed to his purpose for your life that he has a purpose for every moment of your life. And we believe that it is our job to commit to living intentionally on the purpose of God, not on accident, but on purpose. So we are living on purpose. This is who we are. So now, all right, can, can we turn our attention a little bit to, to where we're going? We've already said it a couple of times. Let's say it one more time that the vision for 2023, the focus that, that God has given us for 2023, we are calling assemble. We are saying that this is a year where we are building together what we cannot build alone. But we must never forget like, we didn't just come up with this and just now decide 2023 would be the year that Jesus would like to grow his church. This is not a new idea. In fact, Jesus has been about the mission of building up his church from before any of us were alive. Right? And, and while he makes it clear that he builds his church, he's always been inviting his people to partner with him in assembling the church. So this vision requires partnership on two fronts. Number one, we have to be partners with God. Since it's his church, we're simply assembling his blueprint. But also partnership with each other. Since we are the body of Christ, it can only be built by a unified community of people, each making a unique kingdom contribution to the community. In other words, we can't do this without you. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. They can't do this without you. So when we say that in 2023, we are about the work to assemble the church, we mean that we will submit everything to God's design for his church. Amen? Amen. Or, or you could say, thank God that our pastor said that. We mean that we will submit everything to God's design for his church. And when we say that we will build together what we cannot build on our own, we mean that we need your help. So today is a, is a vision casting day, but it's also a big, fat invitation. 
We'll talk more about that invitation in a little bit. Now, we find a strong uh, understanding for this in Scripture in a place like Matthew, specifically Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he asks his disciples this question, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter is going to always be the guy that speaks up. And he answered, and he said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. By the way, just just because I'm a teacher and I have to make sure that we understand this, he wasn't saying he's going to build his church on Peter. He was saying he was going to build his church on Peter's faith. And so anybody who has the same faith that Peter has, he's building his church on that Okay, right, got, just got it, good, okay. Now, I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock, your faith, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it, the church. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, past tense. Whatever you present tense bind on earth will have, past tense, been bound in heaven. That's wild. And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Clearly, Jesus is the builder of his church. If you came here today to find out how you could build your church, you came to the wrong place. So we would just say, oh, thank God I get to take my hands off of the authority of building the church. This is not supposed to look like the church in my image. But but also, uh, those who place their faith in him get to be invited to the project. He says, you don't get to decide what it looks like, but I really want your hands, your life, your heart, your gifts, your talents, your passion, your faith to build what I intended. So we're invited to the partnership of the assembly of the church of Jesus. And scripture gives us clear instruction in this. In fact, we spent a good chunk of time looking at the book of Ephesians. We studied the first half of Ephesians last year. And that talks all about what the church should look like. And in the spring of this year, we're going to come back and study the second half of Ephesians. And that's, what it's going, that's where we learn what it looks like for you to be a part of the building project. And then also in Hebrews, where this vision for this year is rooted, we, where we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this, we're going to talk about this today, but we can see that the author of Hebrews actually lays down the foundation for why and how we partner with Jesus to assemble his church. So this vision called Assemble is rooted in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. I'll read this to you out of the CSB translation today, and it says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, and if you don't know why the therefore is there, then just read the other nine, the, the, yeah, the other nine and a half chapters. <laughs> They're really good. But anyway, here's what he says. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated us for a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And, so it's therefore, since we have the blood of Jesus, and therefore, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. For those two reasons, he now says this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. 
Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The day there, by the way, is the day of Jesus' return. So the closer to the end of the story we get, the more it is important for the church to gather, which is counter to what culture wants to tell you. The wilder the church, the world gets, the less the church is actually needed. It's actually the exact opposite. The closer we get to the end of all the things, the more the church must gather. In other words, when your life goes crazy in 2023, don't isolate yourself like your flesh is going to tempt you to do and your friends out there in the world might tell you, you don't really need the church, they can't really help you. No, you need to be in the church. We must gather. Amen? Okay. So just look at your neighbor and say, don't ditch me this year. Okay. Now, I told you that we're going to dig into this over the next few weeks into this passage of scripture. We're going to talk about what it means to, uh, for us to assemble the church in partnership with Jesus. But let's just talk a little bit more about this. Remember I told you that the author of Hebrews here tells us the why and the how of the partnership invitation that we have. And so the why of this is, is because of Jesus. Let's just get that right off the bat. The why is always Jesus. Amen? But let's look a little bit deeper. You see, the church is made possible because Jesus is both sacrifice and high priest. That's what the author of Hebrews tells us here in, in Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus is the sacrifice whose blood paid the down payment to establish his church. Now, if you want to get deep into the theology of that, if it, we're not going to take time to, to break all of that down, what all of those words mean today, sign up for Foursquare Path in the spring. We've got a two, whole two-week section where we talk exactly about what it means for Jesus to be our Savior. Just plug in that as often as I can. But in verse 19 and 20, listen to it again. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. You see, before Jesus died on the cross, we could not enter into God's presence. But when Jesus died, in fact, at the moment that he died, there's a veil or a curtain that was in the temple that separated the rest of the world from a place called the Holy of Holies. And that's where the presence of God resided in the world. And in the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit and died in his body... Uh, the veil, the curtain was torn, and it, it's a big, tall, thick curtain, and it was torn, the Bible tells us, from the top to the bottom, making it clear that it was God who did this tearing. When Jesus died, before, that, before he died, we could not enter into his presence, otherwise we would die. But after his death, the presence of God flooded the world and now makes invitation for us to enter into his presence in relationship. See, the wild thing is that on this side of the cross in human history, you're all technically always living in the presence of God. God is everywhere, always, all the time. The question isn't, are you in God's presence? The question now actually becomes, are you in relationship with God? So this is the foundation of the church. Jesus lived a sin-free life. He died as a sacrifice to pay the debt that we owe to God because of our sins. 
And then he rose to life again, taking authority over death so that he could offer life to anyone who places their faith in Jesus. So through or because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter the presence of God with boldness. Boldness. That means you don't walk in with your knees quivering, wondering if you're about to get got. You walk in with boldness because you know you're about to get welcomed. So in a very real sense, since the church is built up of people, we partner with Jesus to assemble his church simply by virtue of the action of entering into relationship with him. The church stopped being a building and became a people when Jesus died and rose again. So you are the church. So if we are going to partner with Jesus to assemble the church, all you have to do to begin the assembly partnership project is believe in Jesus. You enter in and become part of the church. You build up the church. And then Hebrews also tells us that Jesus is the high priest who holds authority over his church. In verse 21, it says that Jesus is the great high priest over the house of God. So why do we partner with Jesus to assemble his church? Because he's the ultimate authority over the church. I, I love this, that it, it, it frees us from feeling like we have to worry about whether or not the church should look like me. Or you. Or our favorite politician. <gasps> he said the thing. I think we have spent a lot of energy trying to build a church in human images. And then trying to build nations in the image of a church that never looked like the God we say that we're worshiping. And in 2023 and around this place and in Jesus' name in this valley, the church is going to begin to look like Jesus. So as we build the church that looks like Jesus, we remember that he invites all of us to the same table. He has all the ultimate authority. He's in charge. We're only assembling his blueprint, and we are invited to sit at his table with him at the head. We don't come into the church and tell him what he should assemble on our behalf. We come in and do what we are told by him by the high priest. So we can see the why for the assembly project. The, the, the why is Jesus, right? Let's try that again. The why is Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Whew. Oh, I was going to have to resign immediately if that didn't go well. The, the why for the church is always Jesus. Amen. Now, now we need to talk about the how because this is really where we come into play. And there are three statements here. We'll fly through them quickly and then spend the next three weeks digging into each of them. But there are three statements in verses 22 through 25 that tell us, uh, they each begin with a phrase, the phrase, let us, which indicates that this is an invitation. It's, it's almost like the author of, of Hebrews was saying, please live this way. Come on, let's do it, guys. Let's go. Let's do these things. And so the first one is, let us draw near. Listen again in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, which doesn't mean that there's no room for doubt in the kingdom of God. You're allowed to doubt. Thomas did, and he still met Jesus face to face. There's room for your doubts, but there isn't room for your doubts to push you out of the kingdom. In fact, your doubts should draw you nearer to the king. Right? So we draw near with 
true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. If you think that sprinkled clean language is a little bit strange, come next week, we'll tell you what that means. But the first step in assembling Jesus' church will always be our step towards God. If the church is the body of Christ experiencing the kingdom of God, then our faith in Christ's cleansing and saving love is how we enter into the presence of God, into relationship with God. So when we are told to draw near, we're saying that we want it to be true of us, that every action we take this year is designed to build disciples. And everything that we do to build disciples is how we do our part to assemble the church in Jesus' image, in his name, according to his plan. The next thing that we hear here in this passage is we're then told in verse 23, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. Now remember what Jesus said to Peter when, he, when Peter said, you're the Messiah. Remember that? He said, uh, that he would build his church on that kind of faith. And Jesus is still building his church on that kind of faith. In 2023, that, that hasn't gone out of style, at least not in the kingdom of heaven. And, and then we're going to see as the, that the church is maintained and the growth of the church is maintained as we hold on to our faith. Now, we're not going to get way into the weeds on whether or not you can, uh, you know, the once saved, always saved. Do you become a Christian and lose your faith and all of that? Look, I, I don't know that it's worth getting down into the weeds of that. I think scripture is clear here. You got into the kingdom because you put your faith in Jesus. Look, it's just, stay. Just hold on. Why is that important? That, Saying hold on to your faith without wavering isn't important because it's because of some theological uh, teaching about whether or not it's possible or impossible to lose your salvation. Honestly, I don't care about that. That's Jesus's business. My business is to make sure that the people that I am doing life with hold on to the confession of their faith without wavering. Why? Because the devil hates that you put your faith in Jesus and he's designed the whole world to pull you out of the kingdom. And whether it's possible or not, he's trying. So hold on. Hold on to the confession of your faith without wavering. Why? Since he who promised is faithful. You know who isn't faithful? The liar, the one who's trying to pull you out of the kingdom. You know who also isn't faithful? A lot of days, you. So put your faith in the one who always is. And when everything seems upside down and crazy and backwards, hold on without wavering. We'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. The third invitation here is let us consider. In verse 24 to 25, it says, let us consider one another. Look at your neighbor real quick. Consider them. Let us consider one another in order to do what? To provoke them. That sounds like 2022. To provoke them. But we're going to flip the script. To provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. 
so, so much of the church is assembled as we focus on Jesus, but we cannot miss that also the church gathers together so that we can focus on one another, so that we can build one another up, so that we can help, so that nobody gets left behind, so that we can say that we mean it when we say that we all belong. There's, there's nothing actually about Scripture, about the church that Jesus wants to build in his image. There's nothing about the church that allows us to be self-serving. In fact, have a conversation with, with my friend Marcus about why you should come to church. I've never had a conversation with Marcus about church attendance where this doesn't come up. People should stop coming to church just to get. Come to church to work. Come to church to serve. Sit on the front row, put your head on a swivel, or sit on the back row and pray for everybody in the room. Join up to, sign, to serve on a team. Uh, give your gifts away to the church. Grow and develop here in a safe place so you know how to serve the world out there where it's a little bit harder. Like, stop coming to church just to get. Come to church to serve. But you know why that works? Is if you know that you're going to a church where other people are doing the same. And you're not, like, the only person doing everything. Right? So there's this, old, there's this old statement in church leadership called the 1090 problem where 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And I just think 2023 is going to be the year we literally flip that on its head. And if you're clapping, you just signed up. Someone was like, I'm glad I didn't clap then. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Ha, gotcha. <laughs> the only thing that we need to be thinking about other people when we come into church is how we can stir love and good works up in their life and how we can be with them right yes so the church is assembled as we work and as we live together so as we draw near as we hold on and as we consider this year we are going to partner with jesus to assemble his church I have no idea what that's going to look like. But we have set some goals. In fact, we, we've, set, we've set five goals. I'm going to invite my wife to come up and, and talk with, with me at you for a moment about these goals. Remember I, I told you a few minutes ago that I think this year we, we have more clarity about the vision that, that, that we are, are setting out than we've ever had before? Um, we have set out some goals for you, and I'm going to hand this mic over to Sharon to kind of set the tone for what we're going to talk about right now. And then there's some people who are kind of moving around the room already because uh, they have a gift for you today. Uh, so, Sharon, do you want to you want to let us know about our goals? Sure. Hi. Are you ready? <laughs> Uh, like Tim said, I don't think we've ever been quite so specific in um, how we are asking the church as a whole, as a family, to partner together to assemble this year. Um, so what you're receiving right now is a handout um, that also... <laughs> Wow, look at our Vanna today. <laughs> uh, that also clearly describes what our focus is um, for the year. The word, the verse, and every specific goal. You are going to get all the details 
This is not just for the leadership team. This is not for just people who uh, serve on any specific area. This is for everyone to participate. So you're going to get this, which is a nice, lovely printout. I don't remember the last time we ever did bulletins. <laughs> like actual paper. Like, what do we do with this? Um, hang it on your fridge. 2014 was the last time we did bulletins, you think? And it wasn't us. Um, we've been digital. And we do have this available digitally on our website, avlife.church. There's a, an Assemble 2023 page that you can click on, and we're going to have you Everybody go there at some point, but walk with us through these different goals. Do you want me to start? You start. Okay. All right. So uh, you have this here, which are the statements of each of the five goals. What we're going to do over the next few minutes is just briefly tell you a little bit about each of those goals, and then Sharon is going to tell you how you can already, starting today, partner with us in these goals. Goal number one is that this year is a year where we are focusing on assembling a multi-generational ministry unified in direction. What we mean by that is that we do not believe that anybody, regardless of age, should be left behind or left out at Life Church. And so from what we're from the, the phrase that we're using is from cradle to sunset of life, everyone at Life Church will be learning the same biblical content at all age levels. Now, if you've been if you have kids at Life Church, you probably know we've already started doing this last year. Danny and Deb over in charge of our next gen ministries for kids and youth ministry have already been aligning all of our teaching with what we're teaching here in the pulpit so that when you go to lunch or dinner with your family, you already know, you already learned about the same thing. Now, we also are looking for this year to be the year where we are uh, where we are uh, bolstering our next gen ministries. Now that's next gen is uh, cradle to college for our, uh, our, our life kids, our outlet youth group, and even what we want to launch a young adults ministry in 2023. Now you can see in this brochure that we've got some pragmatic needs, we've got some spiritual needs. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now, and if this feels a little bit like a sales pitch, uh, we are really looking for this year to be the year where we multiply the number of people who volunteer in our kids ministry. Um, and, and if I could just be so bold as to say, um, and forgive me if this sounds heavy-handed in any way, but I simply intend to tell you the reality, um, that our kids' ministry volunteer levels right now are at a place where I would say we're at a crisis level of the number of volunteers that we have. According to the policies within our movement, uh, the number of volunteers that we currently have regularly serving in Life Kids, we actually should have multiple Sundays where we shut down our kids' ministry because we do not have enough volunteers for Life Kids. Now, I can chalk that up to the fact that we've come out of a global pandemic where everything was online, and it might sound scary to get into a room with kids. I can also chalk that up to the fact that you might be like me and be intimidated by young people sometimes. I don't know why I can talk to people your age, but put me in a room with a bunch of high school students and I freak out. Like, I haven't looked over here a lot today. <laughs> you people intimidate me, and I don't know why. I just, the Lord needs to work that out of my heart. I love you, Andrew. He just went like this when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe you are intimidated by this. Can I just tell you that specifically with Life Kids, the way that our kids' teaching and classroom and curriculum is designed is if you're worried about classroom management, am I smart enough, do I know the word enough, um, am, I, am I excitable en enough or entertaining enough or whatever, like the way that it's designed, you literally could put anybody can do it. The question is not can you do it. If you're wondering can I do it, you're asking the wrong question. The question we are asking you to pray for, about is, is God calling me to pour into the next generation? And I propose to you that every single one of us has a responsibility that has been around since the beginning of time for those of us who are older to pour into, protect, and train up those who are coming behind us in age. That's a responsibility. Many of you are called by God to serve in kids' ministry, in youth ministry, and helping us launch a young adult's ministry in 2023, and I'm calling you to pray about it. If that seems heavy-handed, it's an invitation. Please see the smile on my face. But we need you. Because, listen, because they need you. This year, we will build multi-generational ministries unified in direction. Amen. Can we say amen after these goals? Yes. Okay, our next goal is, um, by the way, our, our team came together and these were bathed in prayer. This was led by the Holy Spirit. This wasn't just something that we received from, as directives from anyone. We invested time in praying for these directions. Okay, second one is established and clear discipleship pathway. We believe that discipleship is the heartbeat, the life beat of this church. People growing and developing on their journey with Jesus and understanding concepts, biblical concepts, so that they can apply them to their life and come alive in Jesus. And you can see right there, we couldn't even put a picture like to make it pretty on this page. It's literally an entire list of what we plan to do, kicking off very clear discipleship pathway. So there is a place for you. There is a discipleship team that has been praying over this, investing in this, and we are very excited to kick this off. And, excuse me, um, it's going to kick off January 18th. So this Wednesday night, we're going to start this. So we want to invite you back on Wednesday nights to come and be a part of this. Grow together. Don't do it isolated. Grow together on your journey with Jesus. All right, flip that thing over. Our next goal, our third goal for 2023 is that we are having, and you're going to see a slash here, expanded and expanding leadership structure. Uh, we are excited about some of the people that are already in leadership development in what we would call a leadership pipeline at Life Church. Uh, there's several of you are in the room right now, and several of you not in that pipeline may feel this year a call to grow in leadership. Uh, we have a couple of people that over the course of this year, we're already mapping out uh, times and seasons to add to our core leadership team. Uh, and here's why. We cannot lead a church where everyone has their hand on the ministry if a very small people group of people are at, at the heart of that ministry. And so we're looking to expand the team because this, this ministry, this church, this, the vision of Life Church goes beyond any of us. It certainly goes beyond Sharon and I. And so we want to invite more voices in, and we believe that that's something that God is doing. What we're asking you to do, you might be sitting there going, well, I'm not called to leadership, so that goal doesn't apply to me. Oh, it does. 
you really want good leaders at your church, right? And you want your leaders to be well. So the first thing we ask is that you pray for the current leaders of your church. And then would you also pray for those that God is developing to move into leadership at this church? That's how you can partner with us, even if you don't become one of those leaders. And then just come to terms with the fact that in some way God's going to ask you to lead at least one other person. And so we're praying for you. I was actually going to say, I know that there are a lot of, specific to this goal, a lot of people who have been either uh, burnt out or let down by um, moments when you have been involved in church leadership. We've certainly let people down in years past, and I just want to call that out and just say, it is a new season. There's a place for you, so if you're saying no to stepping into a leadership call that God would have for you or a service call that God would have for you, please don't let your flesh take over. Don't let your fear take over. There's a place for you and a safe place to grow in development of that. Just wanted to call that out. Okay. Um, our next goal is community engagement. And actually, we, when we first planned this out, we said clear community engagement because we wanted to be very specific in um, what is available for you to plug into in terms of community and life here at the church. So we have the full church calendar. I, I will say a few things are missing, like a couple of things that are still in planning development of specific dates. But the full church calendar as it is right now is available to you on our website. So there's places for you to plug into community. And then we're giving you two calls one is for the local community, that everyone is on the team to live out our core value of we all belong. How am I living that out in this place, outside of this place? How do I actually become a part of the team of believing that we all belong? The second one is we're asking everyone to get a little uncomfortable and not leave right after service, but to engage with one another. Right now, you guys can't chit-chat and see what's going on with, with your lives and, you know, updating each other. Stick around. Be a part and enjoy community. We're also asking you to plan at least one Sunday a month where you enjoy a meal, a walk, a game night, something with people in the church. We all belong. And then in our missional community, we're asking you to sign up for just service opportunities that we're going to have. Right now, it's Grace Resources, but we're going to have other opportunities for you to serve the community. So be a part of the local community and then the missional community uh, out there in the valley. Awesome. And our fifth goal for 2023 is that we intend to develop a fresh culture of creativity. Uh, this Part of the reason we have been inviting Chris to come and read poems at several strategic moments in our service is because of this goal. We're trying to seed the ground of our church with what it feels like to experience creativity, right? Now we One of the songs that we did in worship today was a song that was written here in-house at Life Church. Uh, we, we're going to do more songs that we've written. We're going to hear more poems. We're going to see more paintings. We're, we're inviting you to be creative. And we also understand that creativity might not be artistic. And so whatever creativity looks like for you, this goal is an open invitation for you to bring your creativity into the church and help us to make this a vibrant place full of creativity. I think the church should be the most creative place in the world. Yeah. Because we, we're... 
directly connected. We are the people of the God who created the world. And so let's be a creative people this year. Amen? Now, Sharon's going to tell us a little bit about how we can tangibly engage this invitation to these five goals. All right. So you see there on the back of your brochure or this giant square up here uh, is a place where you can scan where, again, these are available digitally to you. So they're going to be up there all year long. Uh, so if you forget, as you're praying for the church, as you're praying for people within the church and praying for our our valley, um, you can go to that page directly. Now, if you scroll down, there's going to be a form that's at the very bottom of that page. I'm asking everybody that's here today to please fill it out, okay? Not only just because we want to see who was participating today, but I believe that there is something for everyone to say, yes, that's me. Yes, that's how I can assemble with Life Church this year. So please take the opportunity to do that. Um, and yeah, let's assemble in 2023. What do you say? Yeah, stay with me. Sorry. Okay. One of the things just logistically about, um, about, about our church is uh, Sharon and I co-pastor the church and so we in terms of the senior leadership role we share that role um and so i thought it would be important to, i know you try to run away but I, I thought it'd be good if you stay with me um i mean in general and in for the rest of my life but also <laughs> in this moment um let's pray for yeah let's pray let, should we pray? We should pray should i keep making this moment awkward for you because yeah, i'm enjoying it <laughs> let's pray <laughs> hmm. Father, we thank you for the vision that you've given us for your church that goes beyond life, church. We thank you for the vision that is you. We thank you for the invitation through the blood of Christ and the authority we can come under as Christ, the high priest over the church. We thank you, God, that ultimately you, Jesus, you are the head pastor of this church. And we ask that this year you would lead our church. You know, we've set goals. We've articulated a vision. We've communicated it with a sense of passion. And we are excited. But God, let us have the heart of your servant who said, I will not go anywhere, God, unless you go with me. God, this year, would you go with us in this vision? And so we pray for life, church. We pray for the people that make up this church. God, would you call us to the assembly project this year? in fresh ways, and in the places where we have been at the work of the church for years, would you breathe a fresh wind of your spirit onto the work of our hands? We thank you for the honor that it is to partner with you to build your church. Let it be assembled in your honor and name as we build together what we cannot build alone. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray that your will would be done, that you would move in power in this church and through these people. 
and that we would look like you. For your glory, for your honor, and in your name we pray.